Thinking Basketball Podcast. My name is Ben. Welcome back to another show. It's the first show of the 2024 season and uh, just the first week of an NBA season is like a fire hose of information and then you wake up and it's like James Harden's traded to the Los Angeles Clippers and that's we have to talk about that we have to talk we have to break down the trade we have to give it a grade we have to grade the trade now and we have to grade everything that's going on we have to tell you exactly what's going to happen of course we're not going to do that Cody what's rule number one that you have this season um, we don't talk about the Clippers. We don't talk about the Clippers. Uh, so <laughs> what's jumped out to you in this first week? It's been an incredible week. The Milwaukee Bucks are on pace to win 27 games. Oh, my God. Uh, just as you predicted in our in our preview show last week. I already want to go back. I said this, I think, almost verbatim when we redrafted our last three draft classes. And, oh, baby, are the young players fun and exciting. And I'm sure we'll get to that today and next week and over the next coming months. And it's just first-year players, second-year players, third-year players. And we talked about that draft class. And I said something along the lines of, well, we recorded and we forgot that Chet Holmgren existed because he didn't play a second the year before. And as we were recording, I was like, oh, my God, I got a draft Chet Holmgren, um, he's he's relatively high for me, but I don't know what to do with him after the first couple players that we kind of agreed upon. And I said, Cody, I said, we're going to watch Chet play like one game and go, whoops, he should be at the top of the board with uh, Victor Wembenyama and, and anyone else. And I mean, have you seen Chet Holmgren play one game? Because he's at the top of my board. He, this is going to be a juicy rookie of the year race. Honestly, the Thunder right now, our team I've watched about six minutes of, and I know it was six minutes is because I checked in into the last six minutes of the Cavaliers and the Thunder playing, and that's the only thing I've seen about them. So you tell me, what have you seen of Chet Holmgren, and do you think he's actually going to be some solid competition for Rookie of the Year? I think so. I mean, it could get it could get strange based on reputation. We've seen this before with a mega prospect like LeBron and Carmelo Anthony. That turned into a kind of race where Car- Carmelo's on a playoff team. I think Chet is going to have a much better team that he's on this year. So it could echo something like that, and then they still end up giving it uh, to the to the sort of bigger name marketing-wise in Wemby. But, I mean, he, he's really good. Chet's really good, Cody. And, and when you get these rim protection numbers, we're going to have to hold Cody down. We're going to have to restrain him when he starts getting access to the uh, rim protection numbers that he loves so much because Chet is just already looking like a monster altering shots, impacting shots around the paint, giving OKC exactly what they needed. Like, we've got all these sort of punchy guards. We have all these ball skill point guard guys, small, small pick and roll stuff that we talked about on the YouTube channel last week. And now you add a rim protector who is a very much a modern-day unicorn. Like, he started the game the other night with three straight threes. Just... Like it was nothing. Like it was Larry Bird. We just take it for granted. He's a seven foot one dude blocking shots, running the court. They run him off ball a little bit like he's a wing. He basically doesn't play like a traditional big man. So he's got a little shooting. He's got a little movement, can dribble and drive and finish around the hoop. So he's he's good. He's legit. It's only a couple of games. Uh, but I, yes, I would like to buy stock, please, in, uh, in Chet Holmgren. So in terms of, you know, we talk, you just said his rim protection numbers, excited to see that. I, I do have an embargo, Ben, on statistics. I refuse to look up any statistics for the first, I don't even know how long. I'll figure that out when I get to it. So if you reference any stats, I have not seen it yet. 
Um, but I am excited when I'm allowed to actually look at some some rim protection stuff. But in terms of how OKC plays defense, how much do they keep Chet by the rim? Like, do they? Does it seem like they're trying to protect him a little bit more, or are they like, are they letting him loose on the perimeter? Are they like, you go, you go hedge that pick and roll, young man. You go, you go blitz. You go switch on this guy. No, no, no. This is drop, drop coverage and pick and rolls, and you'll they'll switch a little bit so far from what I've seen, but. They want to keep him around the basket, but he's pretty mobile. So, you know, he'll, it's not like he's sprinting under the rim and he's stationary. Um, he had a block in the game the other night where he basically came from the outside, just helped down into the paint based on instinct, the thing that big men will like to do. And he'll either influence that shot coming from behind or he'll just come right over the top and, and swat a little, you know, a small forward who's posting up his man who thinks it's 2024 and there's no one around because I have my beautiful five-out spacing and the, the world is my oasis. There's no one near me in basketball. And then, whoops, Chet Holmgren comes flying in, just like we've seen Victor Wembanyama do already. So, um, yeah, you I mean, you tell me you tell me where you want to start, Cody. I, there's just so many, so many crazy things happening in the first week of the league. Something, I don't really know if I expected to say it. I don't know if we talked about him even for a second during our preview pod. Ben, uh, hesitantly, I'll ask, are are the Pistons secretly fun? It's secretly? Yeah. Secret. There's nothing secretive about it. <laughs> the Pistons are legitimately fun. Um, is it the, the challenge when you do the like first podcast of the season I'm learning over the years is is to actually like focus on analytical basketball stuff and not be like, Cody, here are my league pass rankings <laughs> after week one. Everyone should be watching the Detroit Pistons. No, they're they're fun. Um, they're not the most fun thing in the history of the world, but they are fun. They are interesting. There's, a, I mean, Azar Thompson playing defense. Have you seen this? Yeah. Yeah, man. He's he's it's so athletic. He's fluid. Yeah, he's just everywhere, man. Yeah. So they're, they're an interesting team. Cade Cunningham... Uh, is certainly coming along and they rebound and defend and we'll see what happens there. But that's that's the fun part of the beginning of the year is you are looking to figure out where team like who's legit, who's not legit, where do they go? And then you get these identities that start to form on some teams. So Detroit may end up being a 30 win team or something, but you can build off that in the long run when you have excitement, joy, energy, athleticism. And that's kind of what they're building there. Yeah, and I think that's the key with the Pistons right now is are you, especially with these young teams, are you able to start seeing the building blocks? Can you like squint or not even squint a little bit? Can you look at a team and say, okay, in a couple of years, I can see where this vision is going? Because the first guy, I mean, Cade, I think, looks great. We talked about him, I think, in one of our drafts we did last year. He was right at the top of the rankings for us. I think both of us are very high on what his potential is just because of the way he reads the game, uh, because of his size and length. He has some potential defensively. Like, I don't think he's a lockdown defender, but I think in terms of how he's able to read the game, he can definitely be a solid uh, uh, team defender. But man, the guy I'm most excited about watching out there is Jalen Duran. Jalen Duran, yeah. I, I mean, I cannot believe he is 19 years old. This dude is, I mean, I don't want to compare physically what he looks like to LeBron because the whole thing with LeBron when he was a like a rookie in the NBA is like, oh, that's a man out there. I feel the same way with Duran. It's like, is that a 27-year-old out there? And he's got he's got some poise out there. I don't necessarily think he's stretching the floor in terms of what you would think about like a spacing out center 
in the 2024 season, but he's got a little nice off-the-bounce game. He has a little bit of passing chops. Of course, on defense, he's got the athleticism and timing to be a shot blocker, but I think this is a multifaceted big man that if he continues on this trajectory and just adds a little bit each year, especially as just being a teenager, this could be a perennial all-star. He could be a perennial all-star, and he could be approaching some kind of all-defensive team in the next couple of seasons, Ben. Cody, did did you expect today that we would kick off with the Pistons and you would get to do two minutes on Jalen? Did you plan this? Is this why you're dressed up as some sort of non-blonde Ken for for <laughs> Halloween? Is that what's going on? Yeah, I guess we could address that. It is Halloween. I came from school. I was dressed up. And, you know, if I was going the full Ken, I would not have a shirt on under here. But the rock hard abs would obviously be school inappropriate. Yeah. So I we've had to talk about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We have to put get Cody to put his shirt on. Um, <laughs> I, I love your coat as well. It's uh, it's really fantastic. But let, let's let's get back on track. Um, the, the OK. OK. So the Pistons, <clears throat> they're more interesting. They're they're fun and competitive. But I'm looking at the landscape. Mm-hmm. of the league I'm, I'm taking i'm making my little mental notes yep. to myself okay and in the back of my mind i'm going just putting a little pin in it back of my mind i'm going denver nuggets oh. when are you gonna lose a game because they are 4-0 they look fantastic they look like a well-oiled machine i'm not even sure i want to talk about them right now i kind of want to wait to see the next time we come back or when the nba in tournament season kicks off are they like nine and one or are they just like six and three that's what i'm kind of waiting for with them yeah i think that's the well-oiled machine is definitely the key and this is uh, something i'm gonna i think i'm eating my words right now ben i thought there would be a little bit of a bumpier ride with getting some of the younger guys up to speed replacing bruce brown uh, replacing jeff green but it seems like everyone's just stepped right into their positions jamal like i said i don't know what the statistics look like jamal murray looks like he's uh, right away in game shape. Nikola Jokic looks like he's about to claim. Boy, I don't. How many he's MVPs okay. does he's he have? He's pretty good. He has two. Did he, did he win yeah. it last year? No, he no. no he, he, didn't he, he didn't win it last year. He should be getting his fourth MVP this season. <laughs> and uh, it's unbelievable. Like like we said, when he's on the court, like that's just an offensive rating of 125. And I know someone's going to cite it and be like, it's only 118, Cody. I'm not looking. But in the end, it's going to end up being something like 125. And when you have like that much to build with right away, like there's so much more you can kind of just like play with around. You can allow people to develop sort of in like better ways because this other aspect of your offense is already just built into it. So they kind of just have a built in like, what's it called in golf? when you like start with a certain score or something like that the handicap. Even refer- yeah thank you that's what you're handicap. going for yeah yeah yoke yeah. just like a built-in handicap for the nuggets okay so should should we how should we do this should we just should i just shoot you stuff like do you want to tell me about the bucks or should we should we say <sighs> what is what are you feeling the best about what's changed what's most surprising who's the best like how do you how do you want me to get this just so much how do you want to talk about this let's Let's actually talk about the Bucks for a second. Okay. Let's I'm, believe I'm it or not. You're ben. here to rein me in because I was about to go on a rant about the Wizards and their 10 win pace. <laughs> we have a projection board that looks at point differential and things like that. And the Wizards are the worst team in the league right now with a 10 win pace. And I think the I think the Nuggets are on like a 75 win pace or okay. so. So let's let's stick with the Bucks who are clocking in at that 27 win pace I mentioned earlier. Cody, uh, what are you seeing? Okay, so Milwaukee sitting at 2-1. and one. They've only played three games. Obviously, the, the second game, I think it was, was that the Hawks game when they ended up just like 
They getting got trounced. Yeah, they got hosed out. Like, that wasn't yeah. even a fun game to watch. Dame Lillard scored, like, six points. He didn't even go to the free throw line. Um, there's something... I, I, we talked about this. I was, ta- I was talking about this and saying that people should not have the regular season expectations super high because I think the really underrated aspect of this team, just not being talked about as much as I think it should, is that Coach Budenholzer is a really good coach, Ben. Coach Budenholzer is an excellent coach, especially in the regular season. His, like, system for getting the drive and kick game, especially with the way that the Bucks are set up, it's just a built-in 50 wins. And when you have somebody like Giannis, you just add on a certain number of wins to that, and boom, you have a team that's always competing for the top three seed. Replacing him, I think, especially with a rookie coach, especially with a team that's built to play bud ball, that's a lot of transition sort of aspects that the Bucks are trying to go through that, on top of having a new superstar that's trying to coexist with Giannis on top of losing the defensive organizer and Drew Holiday on top of losing backups like Javon Carter and Chris Middleton coming back from injury this team is just I'm just really not sure when we're actually going to see the Bucks that we should expect to see going into the playoffs and I know there are some concerning things like I'm genuinely concerned about some of the decision making that Giannis has made so far like that's something that he just seems more out of sorts than I would expect to see. But in general, the team stuff, it just feels like a lot of disrespect to Coach Budenholzer, who I hope he gets another coaching job, but he is a fantastic, especially regular season coach, and I think a good enough uh, playoff coach. Yeah, I think that's a subtle, historically underrated thing sometimes when a really good coach leaves and you you kind of lose some of the optimization in the system that the coach had created and sometimes we take that for granted like you go from a you go from a great coach you go from like a Larry Brown to a coach that's not quite as good uh after that still still you know very early in Adrian Griffin's coaching career so he he could end up being a fantastic coach but that is a subtle point the big thing jumping out to me with them is Dame Lillard off ball a lot so they are not running a ton of actions with him on ball and getting ball screens, whether it's from Giannis or other players. They're not cycling him back into the handoff action. He's on the weak side, basically idling or getting off the, bringing it up the court and then getting off the ball and idling off the ball a lot. Not like once a quarter, like a lot. Malik Beasley is setting up the offense and the pick and rolls. Obviously, sometimes Giannis initiates. Chris Middleton was back in the last game. Uh, obviously, he's initiating. So this really jumped out to me. And I, I ended up noting a lot of clips as I was watching the first few games. And I went and checked. I know you are I know you have an embargo on these numbers, so you can leave the room if you want, <laughs> as, I, as I mentioned them. But last season in Portland, Dame had the ball 42% of the time. The Blazers were on offense. And his offensive load was 57. That means about 57% of the time, He was directly involved in the outcome of the possession, scoring, playmaking, turning it over, whatever. Uh, It's like usage with passing. And 50% of the time is 57% of the time is a lot. Uh, You know, Harden is like the all time. I went over 70. Uh, Luca has some situations, but typically 50 to 60 superstar, sort of what we might think of as heliocentric. In Milwaukee, in just the three games, now it's a small sample, but these are the kinds of stats that. These are stylistic stats. These are not shooting numbers that are highly variable. So you can start to get a feel for what's been happening in the couple hundred possessions that these guys have been on the court in the first few games. His time of possession has gone from 42% to 36%. And then this is the big one for me. 
the load from 57 all the way down to 40. And 40 is like, you know, we've got three moderate scorers on our team. That's what 40 is like. For, for perspective, it's in the 84th percentile this season in the, in the first week of the season, probably around 84th percentile in any given season. So that is the number one thing jumping out to me. It's like Dame Lillard is out there, but A, I don't really feel like he's being put in a situation to sort of maximize his strengths. And B, we haven't seen them force the like, are we going to get Dame Giannis two-man actions? How does everything else shake out? It just feels very um, bumpy or experimental. And that's what I'm kind of looking forward to going forward. How's that going to develop? And are they going to move off that and naturally end up with the ball in Dame's, uh, the, the uh, ball in Dame's hands more? So I'm, I'm not going to look up stats, but since I'm here talking to you, I'm professionally obligated to hear any answer you give. Uh, what are what are the differences between Giannis's time of possession and load compared to last year versus this year? Oh, boy. Um, well, we expect this like when multiple stars come together. There usually is a situation where you have to distribute or redistribute the offense among players so people don't have the same giant size bite of the pie that they did when they're lone stars or when there's only two stars on the court. We've talked about this before. We've talked about how players fit. We've done a video on this. Um, Giannis right now is at 30% of the time of possession and an offensive load of 47. 30% and an offensive load of 47. Last year, he was at 33% and an offensive load of 59. So he has the ball less and he's doing less and finishing less. So it's, it's, it's all these guys, as you would expect to some degree. But I think what we were hoping for with Milwaukee and what I'm interested to see on the offensive side specifically is can you take the best of their skills? Can you take Lillard's on-ball game and his pull-up threes and all that and Giannis is rolling and screen gravity and uh, that sort of side of it? And can you mesh it together? And it's like, well even if their offensive load or their usage rate goes down a little because they split it, the power of those possessions is unstoppable. It's exactly what Denver's doing with Jokic and Murray. Like, we don't really need to nitpick who has the ball more. The offensive load or the scoring numbers at the end of any given Nuggets game almost never matter because when those two guys start doing their two-man dance, it's this collective force, this unit running you over that's doing like a Captain Planet dance or something where they... They fused it in the fusion dance. Sorry, I'm mixing up my cartoons. Uh, the Dragon Ball fusion dance. Um, the thing with, you know, I don't want to try and project what their their offensive loads should be. Like, I don't necessarily know if I can, like, go in and calculate, like, oh, Dame should be this, Giannis should be this. But I do know that when I'm watching the Bucks right now, the nonsense pull-up jumpers that Giannis is going to it feels like, like, you go back to, like, especially, like, the Flip Saunders Pistons and, like, Ben Wallace would always get, like, all right, buddy, this is your, like, 15-foot jumper time. Like, let's get him involved with the offense. It feels like Giannis is getting a couple more of those than I'm used to each game. And if there's ever a possession when Damian Lillard's on the court, sharing the court with Giannis, and Giannis brings it up and there's, like, 18 seconds on the shot clock and he takes a pull-up three, I genuinely do not understand 
the the thought process behind that. Like that is honestly like akin to a turnover with this team. So like if your offensive load is that high because those are the kinds of possessions that you're using up, that's honestly just hurting the team, right? You are capping how good of an offense you can have when you have somebody like Damian Lillard on the team. So I just certainly hope that there's some kind of film study. They're trying to figure out exactly like, hey, here's how we can balance this. Here's how we can balance some of these skills and experiment with some of these other skills and figure this out because I get the whole experimentation thing. But that's the kind of experimentation that I think is just hurting the team in general. And that those are that's part of the frustration that I've had with the Bucks as well. Okay, before we get to some other teams and maybe some more positive teams, um, I, my next question for you is about the L.A. Lakers. Mm. The L.A. Lakers. Are you worried about their offense at all? Are you worried about their offense? I'm going to throw you another stat because I know you're, you have no idea what's going on. <laughs> League average offensive rating is 111. Last year, remember, we hit... Mm. 115 for the year and at the end of the year I think even the last month we were like 116 so compared to last season we are a little lower we're on a more defensive minded trajectory this year I think we're like 112.5 or 113 after the first week something like that last year Um, the Lakers defense once again in the first week of the season in their four games has been better than average but the offense has been worse than average what say you Cody are you are you Buying, selling stock here? How are you feeling? Honestly, if you recall in the preview, Ben, I was a little bit lower on the Lakers. I remember. That's why I'm asking you. Yeah. yeah. This is, the thing is, is when I see the team, like the, the team is filled with these guys that are like, they have some skills that make sense, but they don't necessarily have players that like, if LeBron's out for stretches, who am I going to trust to make some offense, right? Like Alex Caruso is great, but like, I don't know how like, I was going to say scalable as his offense, but I was going to use it in like the business sense. Like, I don't know how much you can expand his offensive role and just be like, oh, you're going to be Armando Ginobili here and you're just going to run the show exactly like that. I don't know if he's to the point where you can just run an offense straight through him. I've never trusted D'Angelo Russell as just being an offensive organizer in that sense. I think D'Angelo Russell is a fantastic passer. Like, you look at the discreet passes he makes, and I think he can throw some excellent just, like, you just had to just thread that needle perfectly to get in there. But that doesn't necessarily mean I like his decision-making. And I think those two things with D'Angelo Russell always really frustrates me. And then I think a lot of the other guys on the team are mostly play finishers. So if you don't have that first guy that's going to be creating the kinds of actions... I don't necessarily know where you're going to be getting consistent offense. And I know Anthony Davis is like one of the better offensive finishers that we've talked about, especially as like a lob finisher, as a roll finisher and things like that. But his passing game, unless the shooting's going, none of those things add up to a big man that you can just be like, all right, we're going to get you to the top of the key and then you kind of figure some things out. So that's ultimately where I'm at is if LeBron isn't going to be like cruising all the time at 36 minutes a game because we've seen a little bit of reduced minutes in a couple of those games. I don't know where they get consistent offense. Yeah, I think Reeves is the, on the offensive side, Reeves is the big one because they need him to be a focal point. They need him to play pick and roll, to put some pressure on the defense, to play make a little bit. And it's just been out of sorts. Now, I don't think the X's and O's or the process have been fantastic in the first couple games either for him. But, I mean, you look at his numbers, and I hate to do this to you, Cody, after four games, but 12 (laughs) points per 75 on minus 14%. True shooting. He's just had bumpy moments. Who was that? That's Austin Reeves. Yeah. So, that's what's, to me, that's what's missing. If you get the Austin Reeves you had in the playoffs or Austin Reeves that we saw a little bit 
in FIBA, then I think D'Angelo Russell suddenly as another part of that puzzle in the regular season gives you another pitch you can throw from night to night because sometimes he has D'Angelo Russell games and you're a Lakers fan and you're like pulling your hair out and sometimes he has D'Angelo Russell games and you're a Laker fan and you're like D'Lo saved us tonight with those six threes in a row he made in the fourth quarter so I think that's the big thing I'm waiting on if that doesn't click I think the Lakers offense uh, is probably in trouble and that puts a limit on how potent they could be as a team, you're you you're making a scrunchy face. Did you say negative fourteen relative true shooting percentage? Don't make me give you the box numbers, Cody. No. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me do that to you okay. this early. Okay. Well, um, okay. So let, let me <laughs> let me ask you again about their offense here. Uh I don't know why I said again. I didn't ask you this the first time. Let me ask you another question about their offense here. How how was LeBron looked to you? Like, does he look like the kind of player that can carry them to be? let's start with like a top 15 offense, but do you think they can even cap out like around top 10 offenses in the NBA? LeBron doesn't age. You're aware of this, right? (laughs) I mean, he had the foot injury in the playoffs last year. So now in some sense, he's like younger than he was last year. It's, it's, it's really weird. I mean, clearly he's aged because we know what he was at his best when he was younger and, and all that. But um, even with the loss of some side to side agility, even with maybe a slightly harder time accelerating and decelerating, his north to south movement combined with his size and his basketball IQ still make him a really good offensive player. So if you had nothing else going around you, uh, in a, or him, if they have nothing else going around him in LA, does he have the minutes and the fortitude to carry them to a top 10, 12 offense? I don't think so, but... He's good enough that this is where having these other playmakers and having these other players in the system, if they're there, then I think you can have a pretty good offense. And with the Lakers, that defense is the thing that's really going to drive them. So they only need a pretty good offense. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm, LeBron, that part of the equation to me, looks quite good. Um, it's it's the secondary pieces around them. I think there's, there's a couple of moments where, you know, you can kind of see the aging, like maybe I don't even remember who it was they were playing against but there are a couple times where I'm like oh if that was a decade ago he would have kind of launched into that person and either dunked on him or finished it that just felt like a it was a little lower off the ground than I'm used to a little bit more trying to avoid contact but then there are other times where he gets that burst of speed and transition and he finishes around multiple guys and I'm like where is he getting this from like have have we seen anything like this like it it's unbelievable when you see some of the finishes he's pulling off so you know that combined with the fact that his just like awareness of how to play the game is at an all time just cuz he's seen absolutely everything that you can throw at him I, he's still obviously a very potent player but yeah it's about like i said in the preview it's about injuries it's about it's about health which is the same as injuries it's about fatigue uh so you know we'll see how it plays out as we go throughout the season with them Let's stick with teams we disagreed on a little bit last week. How are you feeling about your Orlando Magic after three games? My Orlando Magic. This is a team that I actually haven't watched a ton of so oh, far this season. Oh, okay. I'm surprised. Yeah. I, I, I thought I, you I would know. be binging them and, you know, have your Wendell Carter Jr. jersey on, number 34. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> well, first of all, let me let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Something that I didn't comment on. Uh, during the preview was Jonathan Isaac and whether or not his defense would be important for the team. I I, I queried you about this very point. <sighs> ben, 
good lord. <laughs> this <laughs> this dude, I think it was during that the Rockets game where he had a couple of rotation blocks. I think one of them he rotate, rotates over and blocks one of Jalen Green's layups. But then he had one at the end of half. I don't even remember who it was because there was no one else on the court as far as I was concerned. <laughs> he just rotated over like he was Matumbo and just met this dunk at the rim. And I'm like, okay, if this guy's out there actually playing defense at this level, yeah, maybe Ben has a point about their defense. Maybe their defense can actually make a huge improvement. Obviously, again, we have to see about the health, but this guy's defense is obviously absolutely inter- uh, absurd. Uh, like I talked about, too, though, too, I like Cole Anthony. I think he's looked pretty spry off the bounce. Uh, you know, he's not necessarily going to be passing around and opening up opportunities that way as well, but I think he has a nice burst of speed. He's got some good chops defensively. His shooting should add some viability to their offense, but I don't know. Overall, the Magic, from what I've seen, look like the team I kind of expected. Yeah, no, the defense in the first three games has been has been very successful, uh, and I, I figured they would be right about in your wheelhouse. We'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens after another... 10 or 20 games if they could continue to play at this very strong pace. Uh, did we talk about Golden State at all last week? Well, first of all, I have to comment on this. I was just thinking of like, well, wait a second. They've played three games, and I watched most of two of them, and I just said I haven't really watched them. But in my mind, I'm like, oh, I've only seen the Magic twice. I have nothing to say about them. Yeah. The, the early season's weird. Yeah, the Magic look great. Okay, I, that I is consistent Magic, yeah. with what I, you know, that is uh, exactly what I would expect from you. Because when, when you're like, Ben, I haven't seen the Magic. But also, the other night, did you notice the substitution pattern was very atypical in the Houston game? Let's talk about, uh, what team did I just say? The Warriors. The Warriors. Ah. I don't even remember if we talked about them at all last week. Um, I was in a holding period that lasted for about four days with the Warriors where I wanted to see Draymond Green. If you're new listening to the show, nobody thinks higher of Draymond Green historically than I do. I think he is spectacularly underrated, one of the best defenders ever. And so like, if he's still in his prime, I think it's a game changer for Golden State. And to wit, like two years ago when they won the title, his 2022 defensive season was a tour de force. I think it was one of the best defensive seasons of the decade. But even people in basketball who are like, oh man, that Draymond Green, he's a great defender. Um, I think they sometimes undersell because it's not 2016 anymore and he's not dropping 32 points in game seven of the finals. I think they undersell how good he is, how important he is, how incredible he is in the postseason and how much he complements the Warriors offense as a defensive leader. And so my holding period lasted like four days because I was like, I need to see if Draymond, what kind of shape is he in? What does he look like? And he played like 20 minutes the other night to get, just get his feet wet. Uh, He said the first half was bumpy. The game was way too fast for him. So second half, he comes out, starts to look a little better. Then they play the Pelicans. That was yesterday or two days ago. I've lost track of time already. We're only seven days in. And, uh, And he's like multiple possessions in a row to start the game to lock down Zion Williamson while doing very Draymond green things where he's like, I'm helping and stunting and faking and tipping balls and getting and drawing offensive fouls on the guy who I wasn't guarding because I rotated under so quickly. So if he's there and the defense can actually be good again, and that's what was really missing last year, size and defensive punch. Uh, obviously we're talking about a Steph Curry offense that can tread water and and do more, be above average, or be good. And now, Cody, there's this new wrinkle. There's this new wrinkle. It's as obvious as Ken and Barbie. It's really uh, Chris Paul going to the bench. 
And now when Curry leaves the game, Chris Paul's on the court and he can pick on bench units because even though he's in his 19th NBA season, it's like, well, I'm not prime Chris Paul anymore, but I'll just do the Chris Paul things I used to do to the best teams in the playoffs. I'll just do them to unsuspecting young bench units in the regular season. And so Golden State doesn't fall apart when Curry goes to the bench, at least theoretically. This is what's intriguing me about this team right now. Major props to Chris Paul, by the way, because I th- I think it was their third game that ended up being his first game off the bench in his career. That's incredible. 19 seasons, first game off the bench is 19 seasons in. I think that's a huge plus for him to, to just, you know, you take it in, you know you're getting older, you're not the Chris Paul you used to be, and you're like, you know what, for this team, it's best for me to go there. Because I don't know about you, I felt like the offense, you know, Steph Curry's always going to have an incredible offense, but it just felt it wasn't the Warriors' offense when they were starting together, right? But when Chris Paul's out there, what I particularly like about that is it really helps guys like Kaminga. It really helps guys like Moody, right? These guys that aren't necessarily going to be creating high-level leverage offense for you. And it just takes the burden off for those guys. So much of the game is mental. And when you have a guy who's just like the mental king out there, like, okay, I'm going to run the show. You guys just have to go out there and do what you're going to do. Because I've been impressed with with Moody defensively. I thought Moody defensively has looked solid. I thought Gary Payton obviously has looked incredible defensively. And when you have somebody like Chris Paul out there, I think I've seen three guard lineups I've seen Paul, I've seen Peyton, and then I don't even remember who the third guard is. It may even be Curry at times. It doesn't matter because Peyton's like, oh, I got other guys that can handle these responsibilities. I'm just going to hang around uh, down by the rim. I'm going to cut. I'm going to go in for lobs. Chris Paul going to the bench, I think, is such a game changer for the Warriors because no matter what, they're just going to have such a good offensive coordinator out there at all times. I don't necessarily know what Chris Paul is going to look like in the in the playoffs, but I think this single move puts them in in position to compete for the first seed in the West, if I'm going to be honest with you. The first seed in the West. I love it. This is what we're looking for. How much time? 33 minutes to get to. We should have started with this. This is <laughs> this is what I need today on Tuesday, Halloween. Do you, um, do you agree, though? I was I was wondering how high you were going to go. I was wondering. Okay. I was sort of fishing in there. And so... I would say that's where my head is at. My head is at how good can they be in the regular season and then how does that translate into the playoffs? I will say my instinct from watching is not to go, that's the one seed that's a juggernaut, Mm -hmm. but it is to say, huh, okay, this is getting interesting because there's there's the dynamics that we just talked about, both with Draymond Green and Chris Paul and their presence. Then around that, you start to take a step back and go, Okay, if you can have a good defense, like top 10 defense, a couple points better than league average, and you can have a good offense, top 10 offense, and a couple points better than league average, now we're talking about competing at the top of the conference. And then with this team, they're an older team. you got to figure there's got to be a little health. You know, no one's going to play 75 to 82 games. So what about the other players? And how does this enable the other players? And this is what we saw in 2022. In 2022, when a guy like Jordan Poole has a really good year, now you're in an environment where Gary Payton II thrives. Now Otto Porter Jr. is a veteran. He's there off the bench. So you constantly had these guys that when players went down and they had to go to the deep bench, they had to go to the G League, and you bring, you're bringing up players you've never heard of, they're in a position to play 18 minutes a night, hustle their tail off, just to try to just try to fit in, and they don't have to be overworked and overtaxed. That's how I feel about a player like Brandon Pajemski, right? He doesn't have to try to do everything when Curry goes to the bench. 
because Chris Paul can be that steadying ballast out there. And as you said, it helps Kaminga. Uh, Moses Moody could have a better year, sort of a consistent bench piece who's really athletic, who can defend. Dario Saric is another body in this situation. Andrew Wiggins missed so much time last year. He's back. So then I go to the depth. And how long can you carry this throughout the season? And I'm not ready to go maybe quite as far as you, but let's check back in a week because it, it got real interesting for me. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, if the Nuggets never lose, like you can't make the one <laughs> just... seed. But I think they'll, if at full health, I think when if we look at like full health uh, net ratings throughout the season, the Warriors should always be competing for near that top spot. I think that's more or less what I'm trying to say. So I okay. guess if I assume yeah. like better health, they could at least be competing for that spot. And Clay Thompson looks like he's shooting the ball pretty well again. This doesn't look like struggling Clay Thompson. This looks like a guy that can get on his heaters. And if Clay Thompson's like that, that uh that helps a lot, Ben. That helps yeah, a lot. I, I will tell you right now our little um our little calculator we use that uses opponent strength and margin of victory and win loss record and things like that has the Nuggets and the uh Warriors exactly tied in win pace. So mm-hmm. Um, your eyes are not deceiving you. Those two teams look pretty good. I kind of feel like I want to punt on Phoenix still because I haven't seen. Yep. Right. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Haven't haven't seen it yet. I'm I'm in a very long holding period until everyone shows up there. Uh, who else? Who else? We're not allowed to talk about the Clippers. <laughs> oh, Ben. I th- I think there is actually a team we should talk about because I I punted on them, so I feel like I need to be the one to bring them up to talk about. A team that is still undefeated yes. at this point, Ben. Yes. Do it. What have you been thinking about the Dallas Mavericks? Man, I thought you were going to bring up the Pacers. <laughs> I, I said undefeated, not two and one. Did they lose? Did they finally lose? Did yeah, they drop the Pacers one? lost. Yeah, uh, the Pacers. I told you. I told you to watch out for the Pacers. They're a sneaky little bunch. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, Ben. I don't think I've watched a second of the Pacers yet. I understand. Yeah. It's understandable. It's early. It's early. Uh, Dallas? Yeah. I still don't know quite what to make of Dallas. They they are they are 3 and 0. It's <laughs> three not particularly impressive wins to me, so historically that just doesn't move the needle, you know? Like every couple years there's like a a Washington Wizards like, you know, 14th seeded team that starts 3 and 0 and even after even after three games <laughs> They uh, kind of have that like very unimpressive statistical signal. You're like, well, it looks like they did not beat three very good teams. And uh, so I don't know what to make of them. I really don't. You know, I think Kyrie missed the last game. He played the first two. They've got the Grant Williams, Derek Lively front line thing going. I I think they're punchy. I think they're punchy. Luca has certainly been on one with his shooting. I I think maybe my biggest thought is if Luca starts making the jump in the three-point shooting that we've been monitoring since he was 19 years old, then things get super interesting. But otherwise, I, I still don't know what to make of them. Did you see the ending of the Mavericks-Nets game? Was that the was that the four threes? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't yeah. see it. I heard about it, yeah. Un, just an unbelievable... Maybe that's actually beguiling me, because now that I think about it, I'm like, oh, are the Mavericks actually doing something different that's impressing me? And I don't necessarily know if there's anything schematic that I'm seeing out there. Uh, I can't really speak yet to Luka on defense or how he looks compared to last season, because I know I was very critical of him. But I just know that, you know, the lob game with Li- with Lively has been fantastic. I'm sure at some point teams are going to figure that out and be like, all right, let's 
<laughs> let's not let this young guy just dunk on us every time. But that three-point display, like legitimately one of those shots was a hook shot. Like it reminded me of Tracy McGrady scoring like 13 points in 33 seconds against the Spurs. It, it was like that kind of shooting performance, like the sorts of nonsense that Luca was just tossing up and making. It was magical, Ben. And it feels like one of those things that if the Mavericks go on this run, like now I'm getting to a narrative bag here, Ben. If the Mavericks go on this huge run and they end up having like a 60 win season and they're the first seed and then you just like play the highlight reel of all the ridiculous things that happen, people could go back and be like, oh yeah, that Nets game was the start of it all. So may- maybe that's just where my mind went. Schematically, I'm not 100% sure though. I want to ask you about one more team and then a, and then a philosophical question to, to play us out. Um, right. We're in Texas. San Antonio Spurs. Mm-hmm. They're one and two. Devin Vassell is right on pace to average his 25 points a game that, that he needs to average. I actually don't even know if that's true. Speaking of stats embargoes, I, I like never know anyone's point per game average during the season. Um, they're one and two. Have you seen them? How are you feeling about them? Are you still not inviting them to the play-in party? That's what I want to know. Uh, I watched the first game, and it seems like that first game... It, it was the the low-key Wemby game. It wasn't necessarily like the first game that everyone was hoping for where he was just going to announce himself. It seems like... Ben, you were you were sending me some clips of, of Wemby in, in other games. And I was like, oh, now he's announcing himself. He's back into it. So I don't necessarily know if that first game was the best way for me to uh, really judge them because I know Devin Vassell is just shooting the lights out. I think right now, from what I've been seeing, his mid-range jumper is just like Kevin Durant level. I don't necessarily think he's going to be keeping that up all the time. Uh, but Zach Collins, Ben... The post-up game. I don't oh, even yeah. know if you just asked oh, me yeah. about the entire thing, but Zach Collins, old-school type of post-up game, the patience, the ability to just go over the hook, shimmy, you hit that. Oh, my goodness. Uh, defensively, you know, he's got rim protection chops. Uh, I don't know, like, how much he needs to be doing with Wemby out there, but he's at least somebody that's not useless. So they have some players out there. I'm still not inviting him to the playoffs, Ben. Okay. Understandable. Understandable. With Victor after three games... They are being outscored by two points per 100. Without Victor after three games, they are being outscored by 24 points per 100. So that's just, that's a monitor we're going to keep track of all season. Speaking of things we're going to keep track of, not all season, but until December 7th or whatever it is, um, I said I was going to ask you a philosophical question. I can't. I just have to get to this. I'm just too excited. Okay. How excited are you on a scale of one to 10 about? The NBA Cup, the in-season tournament, which will be starting this Friday on a brightly colored court near you. Okay. Let's see. On a scale of 1 to 10, how excited yes. If you missed so- this, while well, Cody's thinking about this, if you missed this, the NBA revealed that they will have special courts for the NBA Cup. And I think that's the right play. It needed a, a little logo, an insignia, something to differentiate that these are official NBA Cup games that you're watching every Tuesday and Friday. The NBA wanted to really be heavy-handed and in your face. It was a retro move, a throwback to the 1990s. So most of the courts are incredibly bright, solid-colored courts. So get ready for some Boise State blue football. And for who has a red field in football? Does Miami, Ohio play on a red field? Some team plays on a red field. The Badgers. The Badgers. Ha- no, they don't. Never mind. They just have red. No, the Badgers have a red, a red they end zone. Have red. <laughs> I thought that's what we were just talking about. So... One to ten. How excited are you? Wait, wait, wait. Are you asking me how excited I am about the color scheme of the courts? No, the cup itself. The cup itself. Okay, so 
what is my baseline? How excited I am for a regular like night of NBA basketball? How, how excited are you for a regular night of NBA basketball? I don't know. Like, what, what about the playoffs? The playoffs is like a man. It, I mean, it obviously goes up. So let's say a five is just like a regular night of NBA basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the playing tournament, I'm a five. A five. Yeah, it's it's the same as a regular night for me. Okay. And then what's what about the playoffs you? like a ten? Well, it depends on or the finals. You know, the finals are a ten. Yeah, the finals are a ten. But if okay. it's like game four of the Bucks blowing out the Pistons, well, that's like a two. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's probably a ten too. Honestly, okay. to the Bucks. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go eight on the. You're cup. an eight. Yeah, I'm gonna go eight. <laughs> what are you excited about? Yeah, the Why? whole thing, man. Single elimination tournament. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for the competition. And I love that it's at the beginning of the year. I, I originally thought, well, did you put this thing in January or something like that? But now I think it's a benchmark at the beginning of the year, the end of the year. Um, if the thing works long term, we don't know. Maybe the teams and players won't, won't be excited about it. But here's the thing. Here's the philosophical question that made me think of this, Cody, that I'm punting over. Okay. Uh, we've done a lot of punting today, haven't we? Maybe I'm skipping over it, skipping some jump rope. Let's that was the most it, yeah. 1930s thing I've ever said on this show. Skipping some, <laughs> yes, skipping some jump rope. Um, maybe we'll, th- pop we'll throw, we'll skip some stones afterwards. <laughs> um, people used to do that. That's what they used to do before the internet. They skip stones. <laughs> do you think people like are there TikToks of people that skip stones? Listen, listen. Um, <laughs> I asked my father-in-law once what he did as a as a kid growing up in Taiwan, and he said climb trees. That's what that's that's that was like what you do. Okay. That's incredible. Yeah. Climbing honestly listen, I don't know like I don't know the last time I saw children climbing trees, but the amount of cl- trees I climbed when I was younger, it's just one of those things that I feel like it's a it's an entry point into I feel Did like I'm I say trees? Something. Did I say yeah. trees? I meant yeah. poles. No. Poles. Yeah, you said <laughs> poles. Sorry. Sorry. Like vertical yes. straight up poles. Metal poles. I don't know if that made the punchline of that story better okay. or worse than <laughs> yeah. I messed it up. No, just poles. Yeah. Um, what are we talking about? The NBA Cup? I've completely lost. <laughs> Cody, so- <laughs> we lost Cody as usual. Mark the timestamp, 46 minutes. We've completely lost Cody. Um, I genuinely have no... Oh, the philosophical thing. That's right. There's a lot of parody in basketball right now. So that's really interesting and exciting for a single elimination tournament. The part about it being early in the year is I think a lot of young teams are going to try to use it as a measuring stick for themselves. And then here's the interesting part that has me kind of really excited. Teams are in incredible position to start the year already in terms of their conditioning, in terms of the quality of basketball, in terms of how crisp things are. I mean, you go back 20 years and the first game of the season always felt like super bumpy. The preseason, they weren't even in shape. They were like, they were like, what'd you do this summer? They're like, definitely not basketball. I wanted a break from my job. Now the quality of play, we're not even in November yet. Okay. The quality of play is already really good. So is this an opportunity for coaches to tighten and, and scheme and see what works and vet players in a slightly more competitive environment. I mean, you talk about these young players and the minutes that they get. Do you, are you going to be able to put them out there and see how they compete against a little bit more pressure than they would otherwise get without having to just sit them on the bench in the playoffs like we always, you know, that's traditionally. Traditionally is like, oh, I'm a little nervous. I need to shorten my rotation to seven or eight players in the playoffs you rookie guys go sit down or you bench players go sit down. Are we going to get to see some competitive juices 
from that dynamic. That's kind of what has me excited. You get like the second or third game in your grouping in the cup and you're on the brink of elimination or something like that. I'm really excited to see what the competitive juices are like because I think the the positioning of the teams, the quality of the preparation, that's the word I'm looking for, is so high that you can run this at the beginning of the season and get some really good basketball. And that's that's why I'm... Cody, I'm going to go to an 8.25. I'm, ge- I'm getting myself oh, more excited oh. as I talk about this. Wow, it's like a corp valuation. So <laughs> I'm, th- I'm thinking like the first, the group play, right? I don't necessarily know like this Friday are the first games of the group stages, right? That's right. Like this coming Friday, right? Yeah. I don't know how much different those games are going to feel than the regular season games because I feel like the regular season games have been pretty competitive. Very. Right? Like, yeah. I was watching the, the Kings-Lakers and De'Aaron Fox was flying around, closing people out. That was a playoff game. Cra- like, they no, were. This is what I'm saying. The intensity of regular season NBA games has never been higher, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Never even been close to where we've been in the last few years. Like, there was a Bucks kings game last year. There was a fight in the middle of the game, but it wasn't from, like, cheap stuff. It was like these guys were just going at each other so hard, it felt like the middle of a deep playoff game with the intensity and the quality. The beginning of the season, to your point, LeBron James was on a minute restriction in the first game of the year, I think just getting his feet wet, just like Draymond Green the other night. They lose that game. They come back the next game, and they don't want to go 0-2. So AD plays like 41 minutes and LeBron plays 36 minutes and they are going all out in game two. And that took me from a 7.75 excitement up to an eight because I was like, if they're doing this for game two, no team wants to go through these NBA cup games and blast their early season record and be like, oh, we didn't take the cup game seriously. We're three and seven coming out of group play of the NBA cup. So you Mm -hmm. get kind of like a double whammy that I'm really excited about where you want your regular season record to stay good early because you're optimistic about the season and your process and your flow. But you also, why wouldn't you just want to advance through your group? Why would you want to get smothered in your group? That's that's where I'm really excited about the even just the group play before we get to the fun of the magic of single elimination tournaments. So that is actually the the strategic aspect that I'm really interested in because I think it's going to be really difficult to figure out like oh these teams are actually more competitive this game as opposed to the regular season like that's a subjective thing that's really hard to sit and watch because like you just said the regular season has been really competitive so far I don't necessarily think Friday is going to feel that much more competitive but I do think once we get to the knockout rounds we might be seeing a tightening up of the lineups you've been talking about and I think that might be the main change that we see because I don't necessarily think these players are going to be ramping up like it's a playoff game like do you think we're going to see actual playoff intensity during the knockout games no I don't I don't but I think that's okay I think you might I think as long as you get a hint of intensity ramping up when you get near elimination in the group stage that's going to bode very very well for the rest of the tournament and the single elimination part and the other thing it does and this this again is what made me think about this this concept of like parity and some of these things that I'm seeing around the league you want to measure yourself as one of these teams early in the year. I mean, last week we we got through like six or seven teams where every time we're like, yeah, they could they could finish first with the number one seed in the West. If you're one of those teams, why would you want to start the year and not even advance far in this tournament? Um, especially if the other good team, the other nominally quote unquote good teams, at least by Vegas lines and expectations, advance. You know, if Boston and Denver and all these teams are cleaning house. 
you think the Bucks are going to be like, ah, we don't really care. We got, a, we got, we went one in three in our group. We're excited about it. I see. That's where I think it starts to get kind of interesting when all these teams are so competitive. Every night in the league is so hard to get wins, and you put them in this format that we've seen in the World Cup or the FIBA World Cup. I mean, I, this is why I'm excited about it. Okay, I do think like the mathematical part of it, like adding like a game within a game, that might be cool. Maybe the knockout rounds. Maybe I'm like a. Maybe I'm like a six for the knockout rounds. Those, okay. those might be some kind of fun games. This is amazing progress because when this was announced, when we started this discussion, <laughs> Cody to- Cody was at like a negative one. Cody was like, Ben, I don't even, I'm going to watch all the regular season games except the NBA <laughs> Cup games. That's what, that's where he was. So we're making progress. I'm selling you now, now that I've successfully sold you, watch the NBA Cup be the worst two weeks of the, <laughs> of the season. I just don't know what we're going to do if the Clippers end up in the, in the final round, my excitement would be like a negative 10 at that point. Well, then we're going to have to talk about the Clippers. Yeah. yeah. We're going to have to break the rule. Are we not going to talk about the James Harden trade at all? No, I think next week. I, I shouldn't say next week. I think we need to talk about it once he gets on the court and once we see it and we can analyze how this fit works. It is kind of interesting that they kept Russell Westbrook there. I was trying to make sense of the mm-hmm. entire Clippers dynamic because when Kawhi and Paul George are on the court, they've been really, really good as always. The offense looks good. Is the identity being a very good offense? Is the identity now being an elite offense? Um, we'll see. I think we'll table these questions and we'll get back to them after they play. Before we get out of here, before we get out of here, I, I, I need your picks for the NBA Cup. Picks? What? Your picks. Yeah, we've got Group A, we got West Group A, West Group B, and West Group C, and we have East Group A, East Group B, and East Group C. You don't have a bracket filled out? Wait, so I have to pick one team from each group? I don't know. Who do you? Who do you? I have no idea. When you look at this thing, do you expect? Like, are there certain teams that you expect right now, based on the way they're playing and what you've seen, are going to emerge? The Nuggets. The Nuggets look very good, man. <laughs> Bo- oh, the Boston Celtics. So those are two teams that I'm I'm pretty high on right now. Wait, wait, Boston wait, Celtics. wait. The Nuggets are in are in the same group as the Pelicans, the Rockets, the Mavs, and the yeah. Clippers. Yeah. What's your point? <laughs> <laughs> I, I picked the Nuggets. <laughs> you you could have said you could have said four of any other team, and I would have still picked the picked the Nuggets. Oh, man. Am I wrong? Are you not uh, no. picking Nuggets from that group? No. What's yeah, happening I'm, right now? Yeah. No, I'm 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 excited to see the I'm excited to see the Nuggets. That's Who do you have any other picks? thoughts? We should end the show. Who are your picks? The Nuggets. <laughs> uh, I want to talk yeah. about the Kings at some point. I really like the Kings. They're Let's fun. talk about the Kings. There's I think we only covered 16 teams this week. So we have four, 13 teams left and then whenever the Clippers play. Okay. We'll, we'll talk about them. You can talk about them. Okay. Um, to uh, support this show, check out patreon.com slash thinking basketball. That is the best way to directly support us. Oh, oh, for subscribers and future subscribers, I should also mention our in-season leaderboard. Some of the stats we talk about during the show and research, uh, used to research our content that we put out and things like that. Those will probably be up this week. I don't like to put them up in the first couple days because then you get like this team's on an 81 win pace and this team's on a three win pace and you know Giannis Antetokounmpo is averaging seven points per 75 on negative 45 percent 
true shooting. I like a couple games, so people don't. He, Cody, even at like five games, the the uh, the stats misuse is still prevalent. It still messes with your brain. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Ten game, ten game embargo for everyone. <laughs> Well, Cody will have to wait. We'll we'll try to have those up after a few more games this week. Patreon.com slash thinking basketball. Thanks as always for listening and and you know, hopefully trying to help us make sense of uh, whatever is going on in this first week. It's impossible to get a grasp on. And uh yeah, we'll be back to talk about more of those teams next week. Otherwise, hope you are having a great day. Mm-hmm.